Chapter Ten of Cousin Betty by Honoré de Balzac, translated by James Waring. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Bruce Peary. Chapter Ten. Thanks to her manoeuvres, sentimental, high-flown, and romantic, Valerie, without committing herself to any promises, obtained for her husband the appointment as deputy head of the office and the cross of the Legion of Honor the campaign was not carried out without little dinners at the rocher de cancale parties to the play and gifts in the form of lace scarves gowns and jewellery the apartment in the rue de doyenne was not satisfactory the baron proposed to furnish another magnificently in a charming new house in the rue vanneau monsieur marneffe got a fortnight's leave to be taken a month hence for urgent private affairs in the country and a present in money he promised himself that he would spend both in a little town in switzerland studying the fair sex while monsieur hulot thus devoted himself to the lady he was protecting he did not forget the young artist comte popinot minister of commerce was a patron of art he paid two thousand francs for a copy of the samson on condition that the mould should be broken and that there should be no samson but his and mademoiselle hulot's the group was admired by a prince to whom the model sketch for the clock was also shown and who ordered it but that again was to be unique and he offered thirty thousand francs for it artists who were consulted and among them stidman were of opinion that the man who had sketched those two models was capable of achieving a statue the marshal prince de wissembourg minister of war and president of the committee for the subscriptions to the monument of marshal montcornet called a meeting at which it was decided that the execution of the work should be placed in steinbock's hands the comte de rastignac at that time under-secretary of state wished to possess a work by the artist whose glory was waxing amid the acclamations of his rivals steinbock sold to him the charming group of two little boys crowning a little girl and he promised to secure for the sculptor a studio attached to the government marble quarries situated as all the world knows at le gros caillou this was a success such success as is won in paris that is to say stupendous success that crushes those whose shoulders and loins are not strong enough to bear it as be it said not unfrequently is the case count wenceslas steinbock was written about in all the newspapers and reviews without his having the least suspicion of it any more than had mademoiselle fischer every day as soon as lisbeth had gone out to dinner wenceslas went to the baroness's and spent an hour or two there excepting on the evenings when lisbeth dined with the hulots this state of things lasted for several days the baron assured of count steinbock's titles and position the baroness pleased with his character and habits hortense proud of her permitted love and of her suitor's fame none of them hesitated to speak of the marriage in short the artist was in the seventh heaven when an indiscretion on madame marneffe's part spoilt all and this was how lisbeth whom the baron wished to see intimate with madame marneffe that she might keep an eye on the couple had already dined with valerie and she on her part anxious to have an ear in the hulot house made much of the old maid it occurred to valerie to invite mademoiselle fischer to a housewarming in the new apartments she was about to move into lisbeth 
glad to have found another house to dine in and bewitched by madame marneffe had taken a great fancy to valerie of all the persons she had made acquaintance with no one had taken so much pains to please her in fact madame marneffe full of attentions for mademoiselle fischer found herself in the position towards lisbeth that lisbeth held towards the baroness monsieur rivet crevel and the others who invited her to dinner the marneffes had excited lisbeth's compassion by allowing her to see the extreme poverty of the house while varnishing it as usual with the fairest colors their friends were under obligations to them and ungrateful they had had much illness madame fortin her mother had never known of their distress and had died believing herself wealthy to the end thanks to their superhuman efforts and so forth poor people said she to her cousin hulot you are right to do what you can for them they are so brave and so kind they can hardly live on the thousand crowns he gets as deputy head of the office for they have got into debt since marshal montcornet's death it is barbarity on the part of the government to suppose that a clerk with a wife and family can live in paris on two thousand four hundred francs a year and so within a very short time a young woman who affected regard for her who told her everything and consulted her who flattered her and seemed ready to yield to her guidance had become dearer to the eccentric cousin lisbeth than all her relations the baron on his part admiring in madame marneffe such propriety education and breeding as neither jenny cadine nor josepha nor any friend of theirs had to show had fallen in love with her in a month developing a senile passion a senseless passion which had an appearance of reason in fact he found here neither the banter nor the orgies nor the reckless expenditure nor the depravity nor the scorn of social decencies nor the insolent independence which had brought him to grief alike with the actress and the singer he was spared too the rapacity of the courtesan like unto the thirst of dry sand madame marneffe of whom he had made a friend and confidant made the greatest difficulties over accepting any gift from him appointments official presents anything you can extract from the government but do not begin by insulting a woman whom you profess to love said valerie if you do i shall cease to believe you and i like to believe you she added with a glance like saint teresa leering at heaven every time he made her a present there was a fortress to be stormed a conscience to be over-persuaded the hapless baron laid deep stratagems to offer her some trifle costly nevertheless proud of having at last met with virtue and the realization of his dreams in this primitive household as he assured himself he was the god as much as in his own and monsieur marneffe seemed at a thousand leagues from suspecting that the jupiter of his office intended to descend on his wife in a shower of gold he was his august chief's humblest slave madame marneffe twenty-three years of age a pure and bashful middle-class wife a blossom hidden in the rue de doyenne could know nothing of the depravity and demoralizing harlotry which the baron could no longer think of without disgust for he had never known the charm of recalcitrant virtue and the coy valerie made him enjoy it to the utmost all along the line as the saying goes 
the question having come to this point between hector and valerie it is not astonishing that valerie should have heard from hector the secret of the intended marriage between the great sculptor steinbach and hortense hulot between a lover on his promotion and a lady who hesitates long before becoming his mistress there are contests uttered or unexpressed in which a word often betrays a thought as in fencing the foils fly as briskly as the swords in duel then a prudent man follows the example of monsieur de turenne thus the baron had hinted at the greater freedom his daughter's marriage would allow him in reply to the tender valerie who more than once had exclaimed i cannot imagine how a woman can go wrong for a man who is not wholly hers and a thousand times already the baron had declared that for five-and-twenty years all had been at an end between madame hulot and himself and they say she is so handsome replied madame marneffe i want proof you shall have it said the baron made happy by this demand by which his valerie committed herself hector had then been compelled to reveal his plans already being carried into effect in the rue vanneau to prove to valerie that he intended to devote to her that half of his life which belonged to his lawful wife supposing that day and night equally divide the existence of civilized humanity he spoke of decently deserting his wife leaving her to herself as soon as hortense should be married the baroness would then spend all her time with hortense or the young hulot couple he was sure of her submission and then my angel my true life my real home will be in the rue vanneau bless me how you dispose of me said madame marneffe and my husband that rag to be sure as compared with you so he is said she with a laugh madame marneffe having heard steinbock's history was frantically eager to see the young count perhaps she wished to have some trifle of his work while they still lived under the same roof this curiosity so seriously annoyed the baron that valerie swore to him that she would never even look at wenceslas but though she obtained as the reward of her surrender of this wish a little tea-service of old sevres pate tendre she kept her wish at the bottom of her heart as if written on tablets so one day when she had begged my cousin betty to come to take coffee with her in her room she opened on the subject of her lover to know how she might see him without risk my dear child said she for they called each other my dear why have you never introduced your lover to me do you know that within a short time he has become famous he famous he is the one subject of conversation pooh cried lisbeth he is going to execute the statue of my father and i could be of great use to him and help him to succeed in the work for madame montcornet cannot lend him as i can a miniature by saint a beautiful thing done in eighteen hundred and nine before the wagram campaign and given to my poor mother montcornet when he was young and handsome saint and augustin between them held the sceptre of miniature painting under the empire he is going to make a statue my dear did you say nine feet high by the orders of the minister of war why where have you dropped from that i should tell you the news 
why the government is going to give count steinbock rooms and a studio at le gros caillou the depot for marble your pole will be made the director i should not wonder with two thousand francs a year and a ring on his finger how do you know all this when i have heard nothing about it said lisbeth at last shaking off her amazement now my dear little cousin betty said madame marneffe in an insinuating voice are you capable of devoted friendship put to any test shall we henceforth be sisters will you swear to me never to have a secret from me any more than i from you to act as my spy as i will be yours above all will you pledge yourself never to betray me either to my husband or to monsieur hulot and never reveal that it was i who told you madame marneffe broke off in this spurring harangue lisbeth frightened her the peasant woman's face was terrible her piercing black eyes had the glare of the tiger's her face was like that we ascribe to a pythoness she set her teeth to keep them from chattering and her whole frame quivered convulsively she had pushed her clenched fingers under her cap to clutch her hair and support her head which felt too heavy she was on fire the smoke of the flame that scorched her seemed to emanate from her wrinkles as from the crevices rent by a volcanic eruption it was a startling spectacle well why do you stop she asked in a hollow voice i will be all to you that i have been to him oh i would have given him my life-blood you loved him then like a child of my own well then said madame marneffe with a breath of relief if you only love him in that way you will be very happy for you wish him to be happy lisbeth replied by a nod as hasty as a madwoman's he is to marry your cousin hortense in a month's time hortense shrieked the old maid striking her forehead and starting to her feet well but then you were really in love with this young man asked valerie my dear we are bound for life and death you and i said mademoiselle fischer yes if you have any love affairs to me they are sacred your vices will be virtues in my eyes for i shall need your vices then did you live with him asked valerie no i meant to be a mother to him i give it up i cannot understand said valerie in that case you are neither betrayed nor cheated and you ought to be very happy to see him so well married he is now fairly afloat and at any rate your day is over our artist goes to madame hulot's every evening as soon as you go out to dinner adeline muttered lisbeth oh adeline you shall pay for this i will make you uglier than i am you are as pale as death exclaimed valerie there is something wrong oh what a fool i am the mother and daughter must have suspected that you would raise some obstacles in the way of this affair since they have kept it from you said madame marneffe but if you did not live with the young man my dear all this is a greater puzzle to me than my husband's feelings ah you don't know said lisbeth you have no idea of all their tricks it is the last blow that kills and how many such blows have i had to bruise my soul you don't know that from the time when i could first feel i have been victimized for adeline i was beaten and she was petted i was dressed like a scullion and she had clothes like a lady's i dug in the garden and cleaned the vegetables and she she never lifted a finger for anything but to make up some finery she married the baron she came to shine at the emperor's court 
while i stayed in our village till eighteen hundred and nine waiting for four years for a suitable match they brought me away to be sure but only to make me a workwoman and to offer me clerks or captains like coal-heavers for a husband i have had their leavings for twenty-six years and now like the story in the old testament the poor relation has one ewe-lamb which is all her joy and the rich man who has flocks covets the ewe-lamb and steals it without warning without asking adeline has meanly robbed me of my happiness adeline adeline i will see you in the mire and sunk lower than myself and hortense i loved her and she has cheated me the baron no it is impossible tell me again what is really true of all this be calm my dear child valerie my darling i will be calm said the strange creature sitting down again one thing only can restore me to reason give me proofs your cousin hortense has the samson group here is a lithograph from it published in a review she paid for it out of her pocket-money and it is the baron who to benefit his future son-in-law is pushing him getting everything for him water water said lisbeth after glancing at the print below which she read a group belonging to mademoiselle hulot d'ervy water my head is burning i am going mad madame marneffe fetched some water lisbeth took off her cap unfastened her black hair and plunged her head into the basin her new friend held for her she dipped her forehead into it several times and checked the incipient inflammation after this douche she completely recovered her self-command not a word said she to madame marneffe as she wiped her face not a word of all this you see i am quite calm everything is forgotten i am thinking of something very different she will be in charenton to-morrow that is very certain thought madame marneffe looking at the old maid what is to be done lisbeth went on you see my angel there is nothing for it but to hold my tongue bow my head and drift to the grave as all water runs to the river what could i try to do i should like to grind them all adeline her daughter and the baron all to dust but what can a poor relation do against a rich family it would be the story of the earthen pot and the iron pot yes you are right said valerie you can only pull as much hay as you can to your side of the manger that is all the upshot of life in paris besides said lisbeth i shall soon die i can tell you if i lose that boy to whom i fancied i could always be a mother and with whom i counted on living all my days there were tears in her eyes and she paused such emotion in this woman made of sulphur and flame made valerie shudder well at any rate i have found you said lisbeth taking valerie's hand that is some consolation in this dreadful trouble we shall be true friends and why should we ever part i shall never cross your track no one will ever be in love with me those who would have married me would only have done it to secure my cousin hulot's interest with energy enough to scale paradise to have to devote it to procuring bread and water a few rags and a garret that is martyrdom my dear and i have withered under it she broke off suddenly and shot a black flash into madame marneffe's blue eyes 
a glance that pierced the pretty woman's soul as the point of a dagger might have pierced her heart and what is the use of talking she exclaimed in reproof to herself i never said so much before believe me the tables will be turned yet she added after a pause as you so wisely say let us sharpen our teeth and pull down all the hay we can get you are very wise said madame marneffe who had been frightened by this scene and had no remembrance of having uttered this maxim i am sure you are right my dear child life is not so long after all and we must make the best of it and make use of others to contribute to our enjoyment even i have learned that young as i am i was brought up a spoilt child my father married ambitiously and almost forgot me after making me his idol and bringing me up like a queen's daughter my poor mother who filled my head with splendid visions died of grief at seeing me married to an office clerk with twelve hundred francs a year at nine-and-thirty an aged and hardened libertine as corrupt as the hulks looking on me as others looked on you as a means of fortune well in that wretched man i have found the best of husbands he prefers the squalid sluts he picks up at the street corners and leaves me free though he keeps all his salary to himself he never asks me where i get money to live on and she in her turn stopped short as a woman does who feels herself carried away by the torrent of her confessions struck too by lisbeth's eager attention she thought well to make sure of lisbeth before revealing her last secrets you see dear child how entire is my confidence in you she presently added to which lisbeth replied by a most comforting nod an oath may be taken by a look and a nod more solemnly than in a court of justice End of chapter ten